The winner is. 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 I'm so excited. The winner is. Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast and another very special bonus episode looking at the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2021. It's a very important week in the awards calendar as we've literally just finished the second stage of judging for the design categories. This is where the shortlisted designers all have to present their projects to the judges in person and it's one of my favourite bits of the whole process. You really do see the passion, the skill, the creativity that goes into these designs and the judges get to ask all the little detailed questions that really only experienced designers would know. Now we did it all over Zoom this year, so we had a couple of technical hitches, we had some tears, good ones I might add, and we even had someone present their project sat in the bathroom itself, which was new. But it's all done, all great stuff, so thank you to everyone who took part. And this all means that sat here right now, I know who all the winners are, but I'm giving nothing away. Which brings me to this episode, we're going to meet one of the most consistently high-performing designers in the history of the awards, Pippa Payton. She's a finalist in two categories again this year, so will she win? Who knows? We find out all about her background, her design philosophies, and we hear more about her two shortlisted designs. I should say, however, that we recorded this interview just before the judging presentations, so Pippa's just got a really interesting story to tell. I promise you that her inclusion here is no indication of whether or not she's won. Now, as always, these special bonus awards episodes are brought to you with the support of our podcast partner for 2021, Swift Electrical. It's fantastic having them on board, of course, and Swift Electrical is the UK's number one big brand distributor of sinks, taps and appliances. And you can find out all about the latest offers at swiftuk.co.uk or call a member of the Swift team. Let's go now to one of the most consistently successful designers in the history of the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards, and that is Pippa Payton. She has won three times. She's been a finalist pretty much every year for as long as I can remember, and she's back in the mix again this year in two categories, the bathroom designer over 25 grand and the kitchen designer over 50 grand. So congratulations again to you, Pippa Payton. Thank you, Andy. We're we're delighted to be uh, shortlisted in in those two categories, and it, we we never take anything for granted. It's always a real shock when we get your messages to hear that we've been shortlisted. So um so absolutely delighted to be here again this year. Well, yes, you're a double finalist again. You won last year. Uh, you're a double finalist again this year in the two top project cost categories. Like you say, you must know, you must have enough confidence in your own abilities there that uh, you know you're, you'll be there or thereabouts every time. But you, but you, you still say you're shocked when, when your name comes up. Well, I think, you know, it, it, kitchens and bathrooms are a very personal thing. And obviously we design each one individually for for our clients, depending on the client themselves and the, the property it's in. So they are all very different and therefore I'm never quite sure whether it's something that the judges are going to be looking for or not so yeah it's we just say we we feel very privileged to be shortlisted and don't take it for granted. Well that's fantastic now you're based in the Cotswolds which is of course a beautiful part of the world and it reflects very much in the kind of design and work that you do but let's start with a bit of background I think can you give us uh, the brief Pippa Payton story? Like, where did you start your design career? How have you got to where you are today? So basically, I've, I've always loved um, d- design and, and homes, but I didn't actually start off in that field. I actually started off qualifying as a chartered accountant, uh, worked in banking for a bit and then in advertising. And it was then 15 years ago 
that I decided that I wanted to change my career path and go after what I really loved, which was design. So I set up the business uh, in 2006 um, and was swiftly followed by my husband, who joined me a couple of years later. And we really built the business from, from there. Originally, when we started the business, we were doing um, projects all over the country, but very quickly it became apparent that there was a lot of demand in the Cotswolds, which is where we were based. And so we we now pretty much just work in the Cotswolds and the immediate environs. And again, we, we set the business up to do high-end residential, mainly whole house projects, which obviously incorporate kitchens and bathrooms for, for all the projects that we do. So that was really how how the business started and how it's grown over the last 15 years. Right, so you have no real formal training in design? So I did a course at the Chelsea College of Art and Design for a year, uh, but it was part-time whilst I was working. Um, And then I've been on various courses since, but that is my only formal training. I didn't do an, a degree in interior design. So a lot of it, I suppose, initially was learned on the job, but, but with taking courses where I needed to have particular technical expertise. I mean, that's remarkable, really. I suppose it just shows that talent will come out eventually, no matter who you are. I suppose part of it is about understanding and knowing uh, where you need the help, where you need the formal training to understand the technicalities of things, I guess. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. I mean, I think definitely you do, there is quite a lot of technical knowledge needed. But but I also think that design is a very instinctive, for me anyway, it's a very instinctive thing. I and Scott as well, we're both very good at seeing spaces. So we do do now the, the architecture and the spatial planning of most of the projects that we are dealing with as well. And I think some of that you can learn, but some of it is, is instinctive as well. And I think also when we do the detailed design work, I very much almost start from scratch. So I don't have a formulaic way of designing, Um, which maybe had I been formally trained, I might do it more in that way. But so it kind of comes from the heart and it's it's, it's not a formulaic way of doing it. As I say, you're based in the Cotswolds, beautiful part of the world, a very particular look of the properties that are there. So talk us through your typical clients and your typical projects, if there is such a thing. There isn't really a typical project. All of our clients, have they've either lived here for a long time and want a a new house or they recently moved to the Cotswolds um, or some of them it is a second home in the Cotswolds. So we, we do everything really from kind of small cottages to big estates but they range more towards the the bigger properties. And because we've now been in business for 15 years, we we are finding that we are getting quite a lot of repeat business um, in the clients who may have had a second home in the Cotswolds when they initially moved out this way, have now decided to move out here permanently and want a bigger house. So generally, the type of property that we deal with are old either houses or or barns, mainly houses, but they are mainly grade two listed. So we have to go through all of the conservation uh, regulations in order to do what we want to do with them. But I think that's one of the things which has kind of become part of our the way that we deal with 
these properties is that we we like to what we call expose and enhance so the first thing we will generally do is go back try and go back to the bones of the building itself uncover what may have been covered up over the years see what's there and then if we can leave at least part of the old fabric of the building exposed and I think that's what you see when you look through our work is say is is a lot of the the old materials either being reused or or left in there in the condition that we've managed to get them back to yes your your stuff is always incredibly sympathetic and I think there's always a balance isn't it between when to contrast and when to complement when it comes to buildings like that and I think that balance is one of the things that you always do incredibly well let's have a look at the two projects you're up for the awards here so let's start with the bathroom because I mean, it's a beautiful room that's, you've essentially carved the whole thing out of wood. That's pretty much what it looks like. So you explain it, you tell us about this one. This was actually the final part of um, an, a, a big estate that we have been working on for three years. Um, and it was the final part that was finished at the very end of the project was was the bedroom suite. So it is it is the master bathroom and it was made from two rooms joined together but one thing that I decided very early on in the design process was that I wanted to expose the walls the original Cotswold stone walls and the fireplace and the the, the fabric of those two rooms so we took the decision that rather than putting the things that we needed in the bathroom around the edges of the room that we would basically focus everything on the center of the room and in order to do that, we designed a teak pod, for want of a better word, which was effectively inserted into the centre of the room so that you're, we weren't touching any of the original walls. So the teak pod basically consists of a double vanity unit with a shower behind it and then a WC hidden behind that. But the slight difference here is that Between the two vanity units, we have a full-length shower screen, which you can see through. And the reason for doing that is that when you're in the shower looking out, you actually look over a teak bath, which is positioned centrally in the space as well, although it's not part of the pod itself. But then you can actually see through another floor-to-ceiling piece of glass into the master bedroom because on the headboard of the master bedroom is a beautiful alabaster sculpture which we wanted the client to be able to enjoy when they were actually in the shower and that screen itself is electromagnetic so that if whoever was in the bedroom did want privacy they could turn the screen to being opaque. I mean it's just a brilliantly creative and as I say complementary sculpture there right in the middle of that space. Let's talk about the kitchen then so tell us about this one. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll talk about this one. I just want to go back on one thing I said earlier about the, the whole of the, our design is, is instinctive. Um, obviously, we do follow a list of, of, we do go through a very detailed process when designing both bathrooms and kitchens with our client, a very detailed process to work out exactly what their requirements are, how they live, what they need, and also what they don't think they need, in that we will put forward lots of ideas Um, which they wouldn't have thought about necessarily needing in their kitchen and bathroom. So I just wanted to clarify that. The the, the look and feel of it is quite distinctive, but we do actually go through a very detailed process about what is needed 
for the utility of those spaces. Well, it's interesting because, as you said, your previous life there before you got into design was, by its nature, very detail-oriented. And that kind of structure and detail clearly goes into your work as well. Yes, that's right. So, yes, it's a, it's a two-sided thing. I have my left brain and my right brain on, I think, yeah. <laughs> with that. So to go back to the kitchen that, that we designed, this is a good example of, of a client who had a smaller cottage that we did from them a few years ago, and now they've bought their, their kind of forever bigger house in the Cotswolds, and which we were very lucky to be able to do for them. So the kitchen part of, of the project was was interesting. It was a very small, dark kitchen originally, the back of the kitchen had beautiful views over the surrounding paddocks, which are owned by racing stables. So beautiful, beautiful views, very green, which we wanted to make the most of. But the kitchen itself wasn't big enough. So what we decided to do was effectively take the back off the house and pull it as far out as it could be. So it's almost overhanging the paddocks. And we have two, I think, five metre by two and a half metre high sheets of, of glass so that you literally feel like you're in the paddock, so to speak. But what that enabled us to do was to pull forward the kitchen area of that room by an additional two metres, which made it much bigger. And also to have a a kind of an L shape to the right hand side of the edge of the kitchen, where we put up an additional table and seating area. So the brief from the client was really to have, it, it is now quite a big room, but they wanted lots of different places to sit eat, work, etc. So the way that we designed the kitchen was to have one long run of units on the left hand side, which also houses, uh, amongst other things, a hidden door to a walk in pantry, but it looks like a unit. Then you've got two uh, islands in the centre, which again was split into two for, for two reasons. One, it gives you easy access when you're coming in from the main hallway to be able to walk straight through the islands rather than have to walk around one end or the other. And the second was to have one island more as a working island and the second one more as a seating island. So the second island, which is half kind of working area and half seating area, what we also what I also wanted to do was to incorporate some vintage pieces into the scheme. So I found an old, what they call a baker's table with an, a, an oak top and slats underneath, which I raised on bronze legs to be the height of an island. But we've incorporated that into that second second island just to add some interest. So you've got seating on one side of the island, then you've got seating in the what I call the L shape of of the island at a lower level and then you've also got a large dining table in the more open area of of the room so three completely separate seating stroke eating areas what's great about that project i think is it's such an interesting shape of the room that you're dealing with there yeah that vista that comes out of that window is just spectacular obviously so you you've got to make the most of that too so the the spatial planning of that i think is what stands out so brilliantly but it's just a fantastic piece of work and in contrast to the bathroom i think the bathroom is a sort of spectacular thing whereas this is a very sort of in the best possible way a beautiful bit of planning a very sedate looking room that you'd love to spend lots of time in i mean i can see why you're a finalist i stress all the time i'm not a judge i'm gushing over these things but i'm not a judge so this is no way indicative of your likelihood of winning but I just think there are a couple of fantastic jobs. I mean, you say you you don't have a formulaic approach to design, 
But you know, what kind of designer are you? Are you a kind of sketching things on any old bit of paper you can find type of designer? Or are you a, you know, sit at the computer and you know, you're a master of all the bits and bobs that come with that? What is your process? I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm very instinctive. I, I, I'm one of these very lucky people. I can see in my head straight away what I want to achieve. I don't know quite how I do it, but I can see in my head the overall look and feel. So, you know, we talked before about going through lists of what's needed in it. That's just a a process that you go through. But ultimately, I want to make the space look and feel as good as I possibly can. But that is very instinctive. So I see that in my head. I then have to explain to my joiners um, how, how I want it to look. So I am very much a sketch on a piece of paper rather than doing the detailed cab drawings myself. So I do lots of sketching and trying to explain what's in my head. That's the most difficult bit of my job is, is trying to get out of my head and onto paper. Are you good at the sketching? Because I've met plenty of fantastic designers that, you know, as you say, must spend half their life going, no, 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 that's a straight line, or no, 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 that goes around the corner there. Is that a natural talent you have, do you think? No, I don't think it is at all. I think, I think I'm just lucky that the joiners that we use can kind of interpret, interpret what, what, <laughs> what's I, what I want to achieve. But also we go through, you know, we go through other processes with colours and fabrics and finishes and all of that. But the, the actual sketching, no, I'm, I'm not particularly good at. I wish I was, I wish I had time to, to probably learn to do it better. But I say, ultimately, what comes out in the finished product is, is pretty much what I've seen in my head so almost sometimes when I very first visit the property, I my my mind starts working about how how I can how I can do these things, and I think also it is all about the detail. And sometimes you see these things very early on. So just on that kitchen project, for example, the idea of pulling it pulling the kitchen forward to to extend it, but also making a differentiation between the, both the flooring and the ceiling ceiling height and flooring material so that when you step into the kitchen now that is something that we probably decided very very early on when we were looking at the space so it's things like that that they come out through the process but that just is in my head well look pippa thank you so much for your time Uh, i'm a big fan of your work but i've always been a big fan of your name too i always think that alliteration marks you out like you're the secret identity of a superhero (laughs) peter parker clark kent pippa payton do you know what i mean it sounds like it sounds right you're captain cotswolds you can thank scott for that it's not quite so easy to say after a few glasses of wine but yes that is true it does sound like a (laughs) a tongue twister but look thank you pippa couple of fantastic projects as always uh thanks so much for your time today and good luck for september andrew thank you very much for having me on I've, i've enjoyed talking about them and look forward to september Thank you so much to Pippa for all her time today. It's really interesting stuff. She's got a fantastic story there. You can find out all about the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2021 at kbbreview.com forward slash awards. See you next time.